I'm Dr. Scott Lyons, and you're watching or listening to The Gently Used Human. Ever wondered what it's like to navigate the glittering yet turbulent waters of celebrity and reality TV while striving to stay true to your own story? How does one maintain authenticity when every move is magnified, every choice is scrutinized in the high-stakes world of the public eye? In a journey that demands a delicate balance between personal truth and public persona. Today we're diving into this intriguing world with Rachel Lindsay, an author, attorney, and a trailblazer in the realm of media. Known for breaking new grounds as the first black lead on The Bachelorette, Rachel's journey extends far beyond the television screen. Her story is one of navigating fame, forging a path of self-discovery, and using her platform to inspire and lead with purpose. In our conversation, I'll explore with Rachel the challenges of living in the public eye, the pressures and joys of being a role model, and her evolution from reality TV star to a powerful voice in literature and advocacy. We delve into how she balances the intense scrutiny of Bachelor Nation with her authentic self and her commitment to mentorship and education. So join me as we peel back the curtain on Rachel Lindsay's extraordinary journey to uncover what it takes to navigate fame and integrity with grace. Prepare for a heartfelt and revealing discussion as we celebrate the strength it takes to be a gently used human and a world captivated by celebrity. Rachel! Yes! Rachel! <laughs> Welcome to the Gently Used Human podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I think you are radiant. Like oh. there are people who you sit next to and you're like, can we be best friends? <laughs> so Rachel, my first question is, can we be best friends? Uh, duh. Oh, yes. Thank you for making my day. Oh, no, I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, if our pre-conversation has is anything what is going to be on this podcast, <laughs> we are friends for life. We are we're, friends for life. We're already connecting. And, and shit's about to go down. It's let's. Oh, good. We can curse, too. Oh, yes. fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, please feel free to let it all out like a good flagellant release. Oh, I was going to say like a good Texas... Christian girl. Oh. That's right. <laughs> I think we said the same thing just in different terms. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. So you're a savant. You do oh, a shit ton no. of a lot of things. You're an attorney, mm -hmm. which I have tried to do so many times. Don't. Let's talk about it. You're a TV personality. You're an author. You're so many things. What is it that you don't do? Before we get into what you do. <laughs> what do I not? A lot of things I don't do. I don't sleep. No, I do. <laughs> I don't I either. Do oh, it. do you not? Yes, but not, not great enough. sleep. I'm not one of those, hey, I got my eight hours. Oh. You know, my sleep number is this. No. Those I'm like, make let me, me pop a bunch of melatonin <laughs> in <laughs> just so I can get a few hours because my mind is always racing. I think there's a lot of things that I don't do. And I think that keeps the thirst for wanting to do so much more. Yeah. Because I feel like... For so many years, I always did what I was supposed to, and I was mm. living this very linear life. Yeah. And now that I finally got the courage and the nerve to step outside of that box, I'm like, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do that. Also, yeah. all of this came to me yeah. in a very fast way. It came mm. all at once. So when something, at least for me, when something comes at you quickly, yeah. you think that it can also disappear very quickly. Yes. So I feel like I want to do everything I can because next year, will I still be able to do this? I don't know. Yeah. That's just like that feeling that everything is fleeting. 
Ooh. Is that something like you constantly feel like yeah. it, like a, a rolling very, anxiety? A very anxious. <laughs> wait, wait, can I just say this? I had to interview yeah. Deepak Chopra one time. Yeah. And he literally turned to me and said, I think you like need a nap. I think <laughs> in the most kind way, he just said, you're very hyper. And I was like, okay, I'll try, to, I'll try to, I was like, I'm also just very excited to sit down and talk with you, but I'll try to, you know, channel some of your calmness oh. at the same time. But I was like, maybe I need to listen to this man. So anyways, yes, that fleeting feeling makes me very anxious. Okay, first of all, I just want to normalize your anxiety around Deepak okay. Chopra. When I got interviewed by him, I was sweating everywhere. I was yeah. literally had a puddle under my seat. And it was like a 15-minute interview, and I was five minutes late to it. Oh, no. So, like, I had the wrong Zoom link or, or the of wrong course. link. And I kept happens. pushing it, and I was like, I cannot believe he's late. <laughs> I cannot believe he is late. And then I realized, that asshole who's late is me. <laughs> so I just want to normalize. Thank you. Uh, normalize things. Eddie. What are the things rapidly going through your mind that – keeps you from sleeping in addition to like running an empire and taking over the world. Uh, okay, that's what I want to do, <laughs> which is why my mind is also racing. I want to take over the world. What does that look like? What does your empire look like? I don't know. And I think that is what runs through my mind. Okay. It's like I want to do more. I want, I know people hate when you say grow your brand, but it's like I no, want say it. to be in. So I used to walk into interviews and I'd yeah. say, I want to be the female Michael Strahan mm. because I would look at Michael Strahan and he seems to do everything. He's built this empire. Yep. He does sports. He yep. does entertainment. He does game shows. He has books. He has a business. He's the nicest human being. He's a family man. It's like he makes time for everything. I've, and he travels across the country doing stuff. And I'm like, how do you make time to do it all? But I want that. I want yeah. to have my hands in everything. I want you to be able to see me, hear me, read what I'm doing, wear my brand or do yeah. something that whatever it is that Rachel Lindsay is doing I want to do it all yeah. and I'm constantly thinking how can I do it can I do it is this an oversaturated market will people really buy into it will they believe in it will they all those things yeah. where I also just think naturally for type A people <laughs> built into being type A is worrying yes you know fear yeah. of failure fear of what other people think I'm a middle child so mm. I'm a people pleaser mm. there's just so much to it that I'm constantly thinking all these things and it's what keeps me up at night. It's also what makes me a difficult partner in a relationship. Oh, spill My that. My husband is so chill. He's so, that's partly one of the things that I was attracted to him about. He's I got that Florida he chillness. Me, he can calm me down. <laughs> yeah. But what you don't think is, are you driving him crazy at the same time? Mm. I don't know. I, Where I, was he when you interviewed Deepak? At work. I know, uh. but <laughs> physically at work. But yes, I needed him to you be there You needed him, right. <laughs> I really appreciate that. First of all, I think we can maybe go, oh, someone's just trying to create and expand this brand and it's just capitalism. But there's a lot you can do with a platform. Yeah. And I know you're actually doing a lot with your platform, which I'm excited to talk to you about as well. And so when you talk about like expanding your brand, I see it. And I don't even know you that well yet, best friend. <laughs> yet. Yeah. Love that. But I see it as like this expansion of the good that I feel resonates out of you. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah. That's so nice. I mean, you know, one of the things, as I calm down and settle into this interview. Mm, um, settle it. <laughs> one of the things I think about a lot is yeah. why me, yeah. right? I always said I was going to be an attorney. Yeah. 
And I did that. I always admired my dad and saw what he did. And both my parents, just they were first generation college students. My dad broke barriers and was a first in a lot of ways. And they seemed to be this couple that could do it all. Mm. You know, as you get older, you learn other things. But you humanize them as you get older. You humanize them. It's a nice way to say it. But I just looked up to them and I was like, Mm. gosh, they're these superheroes. But one of the things that I admired so much about my parents was their heart of service. Mm. And I would constantly watch them do good things in their community, do things through my dad. He was in a position where he could reach back and help other people. I watched the way that they were with the sick and shut in at church, the way that they would volunteer. They would take us when they would go voting. You know, they would hold these leadership positions and organizations that they were in. And I just always admired that as a kid. So when it came my opportunity that I had this platform that I never expected to have in the craziest of ways, I'm going to go on reality (laughs) TV and find love. What is she doing? (laughs) I thought, and then when I got the opportunity to be the first as a bachelorette, I said, why me? Why was I the one chosen to be the first? And then as I kind of have worked out, I still don't know the answer of why me, I never will. But I thought because I was given this opportunity, Mm -hmm. there has to be a reason for it. Mm -hmm. And I want, now that I have this platform, I wanna be purposeful in what I do. I think that when you talk about the good, I think that goes back to the way I was raised, the foundation that I was given, and that yes, I wanna take over the world, (laughs) but I also wanna give back and do good. You know, one of my big passions in my platform are helping out mentoring young women, but also education. Yeah. That's amazing. And I really hear how like the values were pillars Mm -hmm. that came with you. It wasn't like, oh, I got famous and fuck my value system that I grew up with, which is easy to do. So easy. I mean, when I got really famous, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yes, tell friend. (laughs) Oh, no, no. But I mean, I've worked with a lot of celebrities Mm -hmm. and it's easy to get pulled out of your own self and the values that were there in the beginning. Yeah. You know what it is? It's because in this, and I don't want to shit on Hollywood because I kind of hate when people do that. Like even my, if something happens, my dad's like, that's that Hollywood. Oh, Rachel, she's so Hollywood. I'm like, no. She's so Hollywood? Look at me. Look at how I came (laughs) in today. There's nothing Hollywood about me. But I think it's so easy, especially I come from Bachelor Nation for your audience who may not know that. Or Bachelor World. And yeah, the, we'll, we'll break our fans that down. are called Bachelor Nation. Wait, Bachelor Nation is the... F- the fan fa- base. Because it is. It yeah. is a whole nation. And yeah. when you come from such a loyal, yeah. involved yeah. fan base, yeah. it's easy to believe everything that they're telling you. And I think that mm. you know people who have levels of fame or celebrity, they have their fan base and it's easy to feed into that, Mm. to believe every single thing that they tell you rather than, because that's, even though the negative is louder, more people are singing your praises than not. Really? For the most part. That's great. And so I think that it's easy to feed into that and start believing that. And that's why you forget those values that you grew up with when you didn't have that or maybe that you learned along the way because you get caught up and the pedestal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. It's did you it's get easy. caught up in the pedestal? Not to that extreme, okay. but when I got one of my first no's along the way, yeah. I kind of was like, I walked in thinking, well, you know, I'm the bachelorette, first black <laughs> bachelorette. It was ESPN yeah. that called me and I'm like, oh, I come from the sports background. Yeah. I'm a success couple. I have a successful relationship from yeah. the show. Obviously, they want me to be a part of it. I was feeling yeah. myself and they were like, no, we're just fans of the show. And it it humbled me. It was the best no that I could get. Wow. That was a moment that I can point to where I was 
feeling myself. I was believing the hype. Yeah. And what you come to realize is that hype most of the time only exists in that fan base, mm. not in the world outside of it. I didn't know Bachelor people before I got on The Bachelor. Yeah. I didn't watch the show. My friend group didn't, my whole circle. Yeah. So I had to check myself and say, you wouldn't have known who you were yeah. before this. Most people don't know. So you need to bring it down a notch. But that fan base mm. will give you that big head. It'll give you that big head yeah. and then you eat some humble pie. You lose pie. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So talk me through it. Were you, how did you get on the, you did Bachelor than Bachelorette, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And were you dating? Were you actively looking for someone? Or how did you go from being a successful attorney uh -huh. to deciding you're going to go on a dating show? Because that's very public. Yeah. Oh, no, for <laughs> sure. And I come from a family that's very private. Yeah. And I'm pretty private about my personal life. Like, I didn't have a Twitter at the time. Yeah. I barely was on Instagram. I was bullied to get on Facebook when that first started. Like, I'm just not into sharing my life in yeah. that way. But I was a hot mess <laughs> going me. into you the show, which is probably human. why I was open to, you know what? <laughs> Let me just go ahead and do this too. I had come out of this five-year relationship. Okay. And it was that relationship where I thought, this is it. I've met my person. Yeah. We're getting married. Yeah. Our families are intertwined. We just had been through a lot where it was also, even though I knew it mm -hmm. wasn't by year five mm -hmm. and before. Mm -hmm. I knew this wasn't the person for me, yeah. but you put your all into it. You're like, I don't want to start over. I'm going to make this work. I'm not a quitter. I don't want to be looked at as a failure. He's taken the latter part of my 20s. I have to commit myself to this. Yeah. It ended. And so I was a little lost. You know, I was out there. I was wild. I was in these streets. What were you up to? Tell me a hot mess. I was mess. just having a good time. Okay. <laughs> trying to forget what I had lost. You, you know, not dealing with my emotions. Yeah. And I was in therapy at this time, at this point in my life. Yeah. But I wasn't dealing with my true emotions. I was yeah. trying to forget it. You know how they say the best way to get over is to get under? <laughs> I was under. <laughs> under who or what? Them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying to distract myself and I wasn't happy and... Were you using therapy, just out of curiosity, were you using therapy to like vent about them as opposed to process your feelings? Is that what you mean? Well, I actually started therapy a year before this relationship ended okay. and I went to impress him because oh, we had had like a rift in our relationship and I was okay. trying to understand why I made the decision that I did, not yeah. cheating, but just like around somebody that he didn't care for. Yeah. And anyways, we ended up calling it off, but not. And mm. I thought he's done therapy before. And he, I think he was back in it. And I thought, you know, I could impress him by telling him I'm working on myself and I'm going to therapy. Therapy helped me realize that that relationship wasn't for me. Yeah, I went in to save a relationship. I ended up saving myself. So mm. I didn't vent. I would vent about the relationship and issues, mm -hmm. but I wasn't using therapy. After it was over, I wasn't using therapy to vent about him. Yeah. I kind of was like, this is what I'm doing. This is this. I'm kind of out here. And I did in therapy, I remember telling her one time, I miss him and I miss that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, you know, I just want to reach out to him. And she was like, just do it. Just reach out. She didn't tell me to get back, but she's like, if you're feeling like you want to just check on him, mm -hmm. do it. Anyways, I was in my office one day and I had just started this job. Maybe I'd been like four months, four, six months in, and two coworkers knocked on my door and it was after hours and I kind of was like, what's happening? Is this a mean girl situation? <laughs> 
And then they come in, they close the door, and they're like, listen, yeah. bachelor tryouts are down the street in two weeks. We think you should do it. And I laugh and I go, guys, I don't even watch that show. Yeah. The only thing I know about that show yeah. is that black people don't go far. That's yeah. literally, and I was like, really? it's a running joke. Oh, yeah. It was a running joke that, you know, black people or people of color yeah. are out by week three. I knew that. And they said, no, Rachel, if you do it, you'll go far, which is pretty cool to look back at. Yeah. They could see something in me that I couldn't see in myself. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, guys. But there was this feeling I had deep down in me that was like, just do it. You know, why not? This could be the escape that you've been looking for. I was mm. at that point where the relationship, as I already described, it, it was or it wasn't. I had felt like I was plateauing in my career. Mm -hmm. I was doing exactly what I said I always wanted to do, but I didn't feel fulfilled. Mm. Just didn't feel fulfilled in life. And I was 31 and I just like, what? I'm kind of lost, like what's next? So yeah. I was like, well, maybe I should just lose myself in something else. But I also didn't think that I would make it past the auditions. So two weeks later, I go in, I audition. I actually tried to leave the audition because I had to get back to work yeah. and I had filled out all the paperwork. I had taken my picture and I was in a line that wasn't moving while I was watching these other lines that everybody was moving through. And the girl next to me was like, no, you don't. And there were only like five of us in this yeah. line. She's like, you don't want to get out of this line. This is the line for the casting director. Oh, so wow. it's interesting that there were people who were doing their interviews on camera but those people were most likely never going to make it. The line that we were in, whatever they saw in you, they were already picking people to wow. advance, possibly advance. An hour had passed. I was like, I got to go. So I take my paperwork and I turn it in. I was like, hey, I got to go, but I've already filled out this paperwork. And she said, I can't tell you no. You need to go to this producer who was actually a producer for the production company of yeah. The Bachelor. And I said, I got to go back to work. And she just kind of looked at me like, well, I don't think I've ever heard anybody just say that before. That was like the look on her face. And she said, can I skip you to the front of the line if you wait five minutes? And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is happening. <laughs> they like me. I could already tell. Yeah. She skipped me to the front of the line. The lady said, tell me about yourself. And I started talking for five minutes, just rambling. Like, yeah. The anxiety was coming. I was just talking and talking. And then after maybe 10 minutes, I go, what was the question? And she goes, <laughs> all right, you're going to LA. Like, you're going to the next round. And that was that. And then I did the... What do you think she saw in you? I don't know. I mean, the gift of gab. <laughs> the gift know. of gab. That's an important one. I think when I remember that audition, there weren't yeah. many people of color. Okay. Here's this lawyer coming in mm -hmm. who's black, mm -hmm. who I guess, you know, has a personality she seems kind of like she's a hot mess all over the place yeah she seems interesting enough to go on to the next round it had to have been that and i remember her saying i cast the last bachelorette before you who also came from dallas and at the time i was like who's that you know because i didn't know anybody from the show now yeah. shout out to jojo she's great now jojo. i'm in this world so yeah i went to yeah. la did the audition there they pretty much told me in that audition you need to tell your job at this point, because you've made the show. Oh, shit. And then from there, I went top three. Didn't think I'd make it past the first night. Got the first rose, impression rose. Made it to the top three. 24 hours after I was kicked off the show, they're like, do you want to do The Bachelorette? And I was Did like, Did you say 24 no. hours? Yeah, I was still in Finland. And they were like, so we want to talk to you. The EPs want to talk to you. I sit down, and they're like, what do you think about being The Bachelorette? And I was like, okay, I just got dumped. <laughs> this has The show hasn't even aired. 
I'm in my feelings. Yeah. I'm trying to adjust to all of this. Trump is president. I was like, <laughs> What's ha- what is happening? And they're like, just think about it. And it took me a month to come back and say, you know what? I'm going to do this. Yeah. To be a first is an honor. I had yeah. talked to someone who knew I had gone far on the show. Yeah. And she was just like, I'm so excited for my daughter to watch you. And I thought, huh, this is bigger than me. Yeah. I didn't watch the show, but there are young girls who are watching the show who don't see someone who looks like them to get their fairy tale told. And what kind of message is that sending out? You have to look this way. You have to come from this sort of background to be adored and to be the most eligible bachelorette to fall in love. And I thought, that's not right. I can do this. I can do this well. I won't fall in love, but I'm going to say yes. And then fast forward, I was beautifully surprised, fall in love. And yeah, that's how it all went down. Shit. First of all, just hearing you talk about someone, that mother saying, yeah, my daughter wants to like see you or feels, that's so moving. It moved me to say yes. Because <laughs> I really was like, mm, I'm never going to be taken seriously as an attorney after this. That was my thought. Mm. And I thought I did it. Yeah. I had fun, but that really put things into perspective for me. Yeah. I thought it's bigger than you. You, after 15 years, they are finally going to have a lead of color and they yeah. chose you. Yeah, Thousands of people auditioned for this show yeah. and you're the one. Yeah. That has to mean something. And if I hadn't had that encounter, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have said yes. Wow. And that changed my life. Wow. Are you still in relation to that, that I don't person? even know who that was. Really? It was somebody. <laughs> Some angel. It was probably. <laughs> it was somebody. It was a church. It was oh, actually really? a church where someone said that to me. I mean, wow. it was. Isn't it amazing to track back to these like crux moments mm-hmm. in our lives where that one sentence or that one thing right. someone said or did is had such an impact, like a butterfly effect. Yes. That you could never account for. Yes. That you could never imagine. I think about it all the time. And that's one of the ways that I humble myself. Yeah. I'm always like, okay, it's Tuesday afternoon. What would you be doing if you had said no? Mm. And I'm like, you'd be sitting in your office, probably feeling unfulfilled. Maybe you were in a relationship. Maybe you were still out here wilding, wilding out. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I think about it all the time. Wow. And it puts things in perspective to me, like how important a yes is or even a no is. Is that been something you've carried through your life now is more yeses or more like visceral no's? Uh, more yeses. Yeah. Because I even had, funny enough, it was Jesse Palmer, who's now the host of The Bachelor. Yeah. Before he was, he said to me, I was doing an event with him and he's a media personality. And I was saying, that that's what I wanted to do. And he was like, say yes to everything. Mm. He was like, you never know where it's going to lead you or who's going to see you in this yeah. opportunity. And then what that could turn into. And I remember yeah. that. Now I say no a little bit more because... <laughs> It's like, I'm tired. <laughs> Thanks for but saying yes to us being best friends. I know. Well, how could I not? <laughs> Clearly, this is one of those life-changing decisions, one of those moments I look back <laughs> on and say, I remember when I said yes to doing the podcast. I take that with me. But I yeah. think about that yes that yeah. I said yes to. And then I listen to my gut. Mm. Something was pulling me in that was like, you have to do this. I mm-hmm. cannot explain that feeling, but I'll never forget it. Is that a beacon that you still use, like that sense of like internal directionality? Yeah. I mean, I listen to myself like that all the time. And I think it's important Mm. that we all do. When I was on the show and I was, you know, it's 
this crazy social experiment that is The Bachelor, yeah. they take you away from everything that's familiar to you, which is why I say oh. it's a social experiment. Your phone, your you internet. You have no phone or No internet. phone, no TV, no internet, no- That sounds like, so healthy on one end and so kind was. of controlling on the other. When you get over it, yeah. like when I was did The Bachelorette and I'd already been through it, I was like, take my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this, because you're just detached and the only thing yeah. that you have to rely on is yourself. Wow which is why people who know who they are and what they want mm -hmm. are successful on this show. Yeah. People who are still trying to figure it out. If I had done this when I was 23, 24, I would have been the villain. I would have been on Paradise. I would, you know, it would have been a totally different situation. Yeah. But I was 31. I was coming in with a completely different perspective on life and coming out of that relationship. Yeah. I think that relationship coming out of that and everything I went through helped me know what I wanted in a partner. So, yeah, you're taking away, everything's taken away from you. And I remember my mom saying to me, trust your gut. Uh -huh. And I held on to that. When I questioned things and I couldn't talk to my family or friends, I said, you know who you are, trust in that. And I think that it's so important to do that and we don't do that enough. We let other people define who we are or tell us what we should think, what we should eat, what we should be. And where is that going to get you in life? I mean, even me. I mean, I lived the life that I was supposed to live for such a yeah. long time. I was doing what I was supposed to do. And now I feel so much more free doing mm. what I want to do or what fulfills me or what gives me joy. And you know, no fault to my parents, but that generation grew up with, and even before them, before my parents' generation, our grandparents, it's like, you got married to survive. And I think that changed a little bit with, it was a survival thing. Yeah. Then you get... Then, you know, our parents was a little different. And now with us, it's like, who is a partner? Who brings me joy? Mm -hmm. Who's my best friend? Who do I want to do life with? Mm. I think career is the same thing. Our parents were taught you work to survive. Now we're like, but what brings us joy? And I feel that, you yeah. know, like, yeah, you got to put food on the table. Yeah. But also, I want to feel fulfilled in the work that I'm doing. I want it to be meaningful, mm. not just a job. I want a career. I want a lifestyle. Yeah. I mean... When you talked about like the, being in the office as a lawyer, your voice was so different than when you talk about- Was it really? Yes, I'm gonna reflect <laughs> that shit back to you. And when you talk about like being in the flow of life, doing these things that you love, it's radiant. Like I can feel it in the room with you. I'm like yeah. sucking up some of that joy. Okay, you know what it also Thank is? Thank you for that joy bomb. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Boom. Boom. You know what it also is? What? I just came back from a two-week vacation of, from Europe. Nice. I haven't taken a vacation that long since my honeymoon. Yeah. And it was, I don't want to be too dramatic and say life-changing, but I was in such a dark place without realizing it. Mm. Just so many changes in my career and questioning myself and yeah. self-doubt and fear of what was next. Yeah. And I was holding on to that and I was becoming this cold, jaded person. And I didn't mm. realize that until I left. Mm. I wasn't answering emails. I was barely on my phone. I went with one of my best girlfriends. And there was something about, we spent a day on the water. Mm. There was something about dipping into that sea. I kept saying it's the Mediterranean Sea and I'm geographically challenged. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's some sea. It was some other sea. Some sea in the Italian waters <laughs> that just was rejuvenating. Mm -hmm. It reset me. I released mm -hmm. so much. And I've come back and I'm just like, you know, I just I just still feel it. I had a friend who <laughs> said something to me and I guess I should have had a big reaction. I go, you know, it is what it is. And he was like, okay, that European trip really did something <laughs> to you. I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm on a personal, uh, like a permanent shroom or something. Like I'm just like... <laughs> Ooh, you know, it is what it is. 
I find Europe has that effect. I did the same thing this summer where I took a sabbatical. Yeah. I had a crazy year. I came out of the book. I did this whole press mm-hmm. tour. And then I just vanished. Yeah. My dream was to like go into a cave and talk to no one. Where'd you go? I went to, where didn't I go? I just, <laughs> I kept extending it to, I was like, I'm not ready to come back. <laughs> Nobody talked to me. I went to France and I turned 40. Oh, okay. 30. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah, 30, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of 30, course, 40. Of course. No, I'm 40. I'm happy to <laughs> say. So I went to France, but I went to Croatia and Spain and the islands. And It's magical. It's magical. And I kept finding the water. Yes, that yes. That was the magic. Yes, I got into some fights with some jellyfish. What? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I'd never seen jellyfish in the Mediterranean before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. When I say I got into a fight with a jellyfish, I mean, like, we got into a it slapping fight. Did you have to pee on yourself? No. You know what's really funny about that? My friend got stung really bad. Yeah. And I said, I was talking to her and I was like, I think I should pee on you. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I remember in school that you pee on someone. It's a friend's episode. And then I paused and I was like, wait, I'm getting grad school confused with friends. <laughs> and we should Google this. And it says when you Google it, do not pee on someone. No. The acid's really bad. That actually makes a lot of it's sense. It's really <laughs> I've been stung too. I did not pee on myself. I was a kid. I got uh, stung in the vagina. Oh, shit. Can <laughs> we say kid. that on the show? I'm just kidding. As a kid. I didn't really? know what was happening. And it was like, oh, you got stung. It wasn't like a burn, burn, yeah. but I definitely was stung. Then you could have peed on yourself. I could have, but I didn't know that rule then. So, you know, I'm suffering. glad you didn't. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What did you end up doing? I remember it happening. I remember not knowing. I was just like, it's, I'm burning. I'm burning. What's happening? I was like 10. You're supposed to put like vinegar on or well, something. Well, that didn't happen. I think I just yeah. waited it out. Yeah. I have a high pain tolerance. Maybe it started there. Thinking about moments you go back to. Mm. Maybe it was that vagina sting. That vagina sting <laughs> let you know that you had high enough pain tolerance to navigate reality television later on. Is that what I hear? You're saying the correlation <laughs> That's there? That's it. That's yes. it. And it was at that moment. <laughs> it was at that moment where you knew I could be a reality TV star. I want to take a moment to give a loud shout out to The Embody Lab, which is ugh, one of the most incredible resources for body-based and somatic therapies. This show is all about healing, and The Embody Lab does exactly that. Whether you're on your own journey of transformation and discovery, or enhancing your skill sets in your career as like a coach or a therapist, a body worker, or really any career where you are supporting other gently used humans, the Embody Lab is your place for deep, inspiring, and impactful workshops, certificates, masterclasses, and an incredible community of like-minded folks. I love the Embody Lab, and so do so many other people that call it a platform to come home to over and over again. The Embody Lab is giving my listeners an exclusive offer, a one-time 10% off code to enhance your embodied well-being. All you have to do is go to theembodylab.com and use the code GENTLYUSE10 at checkout. I have a question. Yes. Is reality TV real? Yeah. For me, yes. Oh. I think everyone's okay. experience is different. Okay. I love reality TV. I don't you like do, eat before. Okay. I don't like love shows. I've never been into any of them. 
yeah. prior to this. And even after, now I know too much. I <laughs> love the lifestyle. <laughs> you asked me specific questions. We oh, can go there. I will come back to that one then. <laughs> um, I love lifestyle reality. I love okay. the drama. I'm a big Bravo fan. I watch okay. every show that's on Bravo except for Below Deck. Okay. I always say people who watch Below Deck don't know Bravo. Like you're not a real <laughs> Bravo fan. I hear the show's great, actually. I'm just fucking with y'all. I hear it's great. But I loved watching it. I never thought I would be a part of it. Mm -hmm. I loved to watch. I used to judge it. Okay. And then, and it was just a form of escapism because I'm like, their life is so crazy and so mm -hmm. different from mine. I just mm -hmm. want to come home and relax mm -hmm. into their world. And then I started realizing that, no, these people are actually very brave to put themselves out there in a way that uh, I could never do. This is before I was yeah. on. That wow. I would never have the guts to be this vulnerable because I was more private. Yeah. To just not care what people think about me. I just couldn't do it. So yeah. I admired them a bit. When I went on the show, I was guarded. I thought, I don't trust any of these people. Mm. And I'm just going to be... I'm here to see if there's a connection. If there's not, I'm out. I don't mm -hmm. want to make friends, nothing. <laughs> and I get on the show and the first night I was so afraid. I was like, everybody's going to get drunk, wasted. Yeah. I had one glass of wine and I had coffee because you stay up all night. And I was oh. like, I'm just watching everybody. I'm observing. And I found like my girl that night who's still my girl to this yeah. day. And we were just kind of like, you know, head on the swivel. Mm -hmm. I just want to get in, talk to him and be out. Mm -hmm. And then you can only do that for so long. Okay. And then the second day that we were filming, I didn't get asked to be on the date. So I'm in this house. There's nothing to do. So you're like, well, I might as well just get fucked up then. <laughs> and we were just playing games. And I was running around the house like I was a sorority girl. And I just like didn't care about the cameras. And I was having a blast. Mm. And I had so much fun. My experience was very real. Yeah. I felt like, no, they didn't show everything that we did. And I, in some ways, I was protected. They mm -hmm. didn't show, you know, when I got sick from drinking. They didn't yeah. show a girl and I got into it, not physically, but we had, she ended up being the girl who was chosen. Mm -hmm. And then I went on to be the bachelorette and that's not good for TV. You couldn't show us having a conflict. Oh. So, you know, they didn't show that argument. So there were certain things, yeah, that weren't shown, but I felt like when you did see me, mm -hmm. that was me. And mm. my the, what I always loved were pe when people would say, people who knew me were like, oh, I felt like I was, you know, it was you that I was watching. Yeah. So yeah, there's certain things at the end of the day, the show has a format. Sure. So there's certain things that are staged. Yeah. And I think that most of that staging is done in casting. I think they're mm. like, oh, you're going to be the villain. You're going to be the crier. You're going to be the I don't take any shit person. You're going to be the confrontational. This is the archetypes of reality TV. Yeah. And okay. I, I do think that they know who they're getting. They can't have all Rachels on the show or all this person. What was your archetype? Well, I think I was like the I don't take shit type okay. person. And That's I, not what I would have cast you as. Who would you have said? I'm going to come back to that question. Okay. I think I need more time as best friends. Okay. Okay. You don't want to offend me. It's okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm happy to then offend you. Don't you. Wanna, I'm not scared you of you. That no shit. I am not scared of you. What I just I don't, don't want you to be. I, <laughs> I don't experience that as take no shit. I'm confrontational. You are. I love it. Can we get confrontational? Yes, I love it. I'm that friend when <laughs> when I go out and we're drinking, I'm that person who's always like, "Do we have a problem here?" Mm, like I like very a protector. And I was that on the show. I was also the okay. oldest person at 31 yeah. in the house. 
So I kind of I wasn't a mother, yeah. but I was. I think that's the archetype no I would give you. It's like the archetype, the protector. Person. Like when everyone would yeah. team up on someone, me and my friends were just kind of like, guys, cut the shit. Yeah. You know, like she's she's a cool person. If you're offended by her, then don't talk to her. Yeah. Or if I didn't want to be friends with someone, yeah, I would say it's not personal. I just don't fuck with you. Like that was kind of. But we don't all have to be friends. Yeah. That, that was kind of my thing. And that's not how you're supposed to be. It's you, like, we're you're like the reality friends. checker. Yeah. Like, and the humanizer. Yeah. I just, okay. you know, I was older and I just yeah. was like, guys, it's not that serious. <laughs> that was more okay. of, of me on the show. I was there to have a good time yeah. once I let go of being so cautious of everyone. I was yeah. just like, I'm just here to have fun yeah. and see if there's a connection. Yeah. And- not lose myself in the process. That was a big thing for yeah. me too. So all that to say, it was very real. And I mm. also, but I also think when I was on The Bachelor, I had a fantastic group of women. Okay. Even producers to this day will say, y'all were just a different group of, of women. Yeah. And we were all pretty much close for the most part, mm -hmm. still close with a lot of them. And I think that contributed to the realness of it. Okay. When I watch, and I don't watch the show, but when I see clips or I talk to people who have been on the show as of recent, mm -hmm. it's a different set of producers. Yeah. There seems to be a difference with the show, and I think part of that too, and I heard somebody say this once, so I don't want to take the credit. The people who are coming on reality TV now grew up with it. Yes. And so they know the tricks, they know the format, and they're yeah. trying to be somebody else. And social media is a bigger thing now. Yeah. When we were on the show, social media was just being used in a way that reality TV stars could use it to their advantage. Mm. The brand deals were just starting to yeah. happen, the opportunities. So we didn't come in with these huge followings. We weren't coming in knowing how to do full glam. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't that was us and that's yeah. <laughs> what it is now. And so it takes away from the realness. These people are performing yeah. to grow their TikTok followings and their Instagram followings yeah. or whatever it may be. Yeah, It's different. That's so true. In the late aughts, I just like saying the word odds. In 2008, yeah. <laughs> something like 80% of the television view that of the top 10 shows was reality show. In 2008. 2008. Because it was around the strike. There was yes, a strike. Yes, there was yeah. a strike. But it's continued in that trend where it's mm -hmm. like the majority, like 80%, so again, around 79, 80% of, this is American studies, are watching reality TV show yeah. as their main thing that they consume. It's everywhere. And I, you know, it's interesting you say, because I really am curious about like, is reality TV real? Yeah. And I'm like, your experience is so interesting to me. I was expecting you to say, well, they asked me to perform in these ways or. No. That's amazing. When I was on a reality show, which we're not going to talk about. <laughs> which one? <laughs> like I said, we're not going to talk about it. No, I was on a show that never got aired. Oh, okay. Okay. And I'm really, really grateful okay, for it. Okay. Lucky you. <laughs> I'm really grateful. It was in my mid, late 20s. Okay. And. It was so performative. The producers would come and be like, you need to reshoot that and say it this way. Oh, no. I didn't have that. I'm so glad. And so I grew up from that experience going like, oh, reality TV is manufactured. And if that's manufactured and that's what we're consuming as reality and it's and even now, as you're talking about, like, it's performative. There yeah. is an aspect of it that's performance. It's exaggerated reality. Yes. And if we're watching exaggerated reality... And that's what we're growing up on as the idea of that's reality. Mm -hmm. Then we start to normalize it. Oh, yeah. And we start to perform in our own lives. We we create this like avatar version of ourselves. That's a good point. In real life. Yeah. 
and we're living in dissonance to ourselves. Well, I absolutely think yeah. that's what it is. And I think the social media contributes to it as oh, well. Yeah. There was some statistic that came out that was like 80% of the next generation, that's what they, their goal is to be. Yeah. Even my friend's kids hit me up and they're like, I want to be an influencer. I need to grow my following. And I'm not knocking it. I have a lot of friends that are influencers. But what I've also realized when you talk about these exaggerated realities yeah. and constantly performing, yeah. no shade to influencers, but I have been to these influencer events mm -hmm. and a lot of them do not function well in reality. No. It's like a hard converse. It's a weird, like the social skills. And, you know, maybe you could say that too about some actors. A lot of them are introverts and or mm -hmm. even comedians and you expect them to be a certain way and then yeah. you meet them in person and they're not that yeah. way. But it's odd with influencers. It's like you watch them and they've got these big personalities and more so, and I'll separate the difference, the yeah. personality is lifestyle. You're showing us, yeah. you're taking us through your life and who you are and the person that you are. And then I see you in person mm. and you are not that way. You yeah. are, it's awkward. It's and so I blame social media to that yeah. as well because when I'm trying to interact with you in reality, they just don't have it. Mm -mm. Which is why when you see these networks try to capitalize on social media influencers to put them as you know the voice of their show yeah. or a personality on their show, it doesn't always translate. Okay, let's go back to you, though. Okay. So reality shows are somewhat real. Yes. And somewhat, from my experience, and then mm -hmm. what we know now is can also be somewhat manufactured or produced. And, mm -hmm. and what we're seeing in social media is there are influencers, there are people living out an avatar life. Yeah. And there's a space or a dissonance between their avatar life and who they are. Mm -hmm. And we know that the research shows that the further they are from their core sense of self, you know, their performance self is the further that is from their core sense self, the greater the level of depression. Oh, wow. Because it's actually a form of repression, mm. self-repression, self-abandonment, mm -hmm. which creates this like stagnancy in your nervous system, in your body, which is, and then manifest as depression. Wow. Is this how you talk when you don't watch Housewives? Maybe I should stop. What do you the, mean? The, <laughs> the knowledge that you're spitting out. I'm like, this is what happens when you don't watch terrible trash TV. <laughs> this is what happens when you're punched down the PhD one after another. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you're sweet. It's true. It's like, so I appreciate hearing it from the non-academic side mm -hmm. of like going, mm -hmm. yeah, you meet these people in real life. I have some of these people in real life as friends and patients. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't even know who they were prior to like start, I'm that way too, starting, yeah. you know, like I have some patients who are very famous and I didn't know who they were and they'd started talking about stuff and I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I actually don't know anything about you. I don't Google people and yeah. like to hear the narratives about who they are as a person and who their brand is or who their avatar is can be like miles away from each other. Yeah. That's so interesting because I hate social media. I'm on it because yeah. it's a business and it's you have business. to. And I'm I'm on TikTok and I'm terrible at it. But I still don't know <laughs> yeah. influencer personalities or like yeah. YouTubers and people yeah. are like, oh my gosh, they're huge. They've I was at a school the other day. Yeah. I work with this group called Get Your Teach On. Shout out to them. Yes. And we do this, they do this event called Rock Your School and it's around yep. the world mm -hmm. where they it's like a pep rally mm -hmm. and they, it's all about praising teachers and students and stuff. Mm. And we had a group perform called the Ninja Kids. 
never had heard of them in my life. Mm -hmm. They have like 25 million followers across all platforms. <laughs> and they're the nicest family, group family. And they've been doing it for like 10 years. And the kids went insane wow. when I was like, here to come out the Ninja Kids. And I was like, oh my gosh. It's like, I have no idea who these people are. And I don't even know why I just went down this path. I think of just saying these people can have millions and millions of yeah. followers and supporters and you have yeah. no idea who they are. Yeah. But what I realized with them and talking about this, the dissonance that you were describing, mm -hmm. there also seems to be, not just with who they are, but the reality of what I'm saying, yeah. they don't know how to be present. Yeah. It's odd. Put your phone down or just even yeah. the way that they talk, it's yeah. like in social media terms, yeah. it worries me. It scares yeah. me, especially as you're moving to a generation that wants to just be influencers. They don't know how to sit and have these type of conversations. Yeah. Where are we headed? What's happening here? Yeah. I want it to all crash. I know. I feel I do. that. Can we start over? Oh, uh, there's a lot of good TV shows about that. None that I've seen, but. There are about starting over and social media crashing? Yeah, I'll think of one. Okay, if not, I'm going to take this idea for myself. We are going to make that <laughs> fucking show. Take it. It's true. I was, I was in Europe this summer, like I said, and I walked by a table of about 20 teenagers, maybe 30, at this long table. Not one of them was talking to each other. They were all on their phones. And whatever, I'm on my phone. Like, I'm not sure. going to shame anyone. But I was just curious at that moment. I was like, what do they talk about when they don't when the batteries die? Can they? They like, talk about memes really? and TikToks and they reference what they observe. That's from my experience. Interesting. That is what I have seen. I mean, they're not talking about really current affairs. Yeah. Except for shout out to the influencers who have platforms yeah. where they do politics yeah. and current affairs yeah. and all of that. I'm not yeah. I'm talking about a certain sector. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what they reference and talk about. I mean, I guess in the same way that we would talk about TV shows, you know? Yeah. I have groups, we have Bravo chat groups. Yeah. And we're like, oh my gosh, did you see this that happened or mm -hmm. this from this episode? That's their TV because they don't really watch TV. Yeah. They watch social media. They watch social media. No, that's a really good point. I feel like, yeah, what would happen if we all started over? Would the skill sets be there to be in relation to each other? And I think about, too, of this phenomenon of are we living our life to tell the stories of it? Hmm. Are we creating our life to be able to just share it as opposed to living life? That is a really good point. And I think it's the former. Mm. I think that's where we're headed. Yeah. If it's not on the gram, it's as if it didn't happen. Ugh. Doing it for the gram. That is like you got to post every move. You got it's also this phenomenon of I don't know if you've seen this. Yeah. I know you're not on social media, but I'm sure your clients do it of posting emotions. Oh, There's when they, this, they come to cry? Oh. oh this that, I, I no, think it's a no, a trauma like, Olympics. Hey, I'm in the middle of a <laughs> panic attack. I'm going to post it. Or like, everything's not good. This happened to me today. And it's like a picture of them smiling and you swipe over and it's a picture of them having a breakdown. No. I have had panic attacks. I have mm -hmm. had breakdowns. Mm -hmm. Real emotional things happen to me. I cannot imagine being so, because if I'm present in it, I'm yeah. feeling it, yes. and I'm releasing it. Yes. I can't imagine saying, hold <laughs> on a second. Hold on, hold on, there's emotion. Sure. And you know they're looking at it like, oh, that's an ugly cry, let me make sure. I'm Let me get my lighting right for this cry. So to your point, <laughs> yeah. it is all about 
Yeah. Sharing it. That is how we're living. About It's all about putting it out there rather than just being it present and living. It scares me. It scares me. We're already there. I know, but it scares me because I see that and I was like, I've had friends who have done it and I, and I look at Instagram once in a while too. too. And I'll text them and I'll be like, hey, can I just offer you something? Next time, you can always call me mm-hmm. and I'm here for you. And I'm curious, did that get you what you needed? Yeah. Because filming your emotion and getting likes for it means you're probably going to stay in the emotion. Yeah. Because you're using your emotion to feed something else. Exactly. As opposed to like get to the underlying need underneath it. Yeah. The likes and comments are not going to fulfill you. Oh, I got great engagement on this post. And what does that do for you? If if you were really feeling something and going through it, what do these strangers give you, yeah. you know what I mean? As yeah. you're feeling whatever it is that you're feeling. Yeah. It's dangerous almost. It is. Then we start performing emotion. We start exaggerating, intensifying Oof. what we're actually having, addiction to drama. And then we're not actually having our core real emotions. And so those core real emotions are getting suppressed, repressed on behalf of the performance of the ones that get the likes and comments. It's the end of the world as we know it's it. It's the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> I probably it. sing that song once a week to myself. Do you? <laughs> probably. Shit. Something happens and I'm like, it's the end <laughs> of the world as we know it. <laughs> That's pessimistic. <laughs> well, well realistic. That's it. Us pessimists <laughs> like to call ourselves realists, but not since I've come back from Europe. I'm a total optimist. Yes, that water did you good. <laughs> that water did you good. So what do you think about, because we're kind of getting into it, what are the psychological ramifications or effects of doing, being an influencer, reality TV show star? Oh. Because I think there's a lot of positives too. And I'm not, yeah. and I want to acknowledge that like having a platform to make people feel like they're being represented. Yeah. And there's so many other ways. And these people have 25 million followers. Right. Can they be there for themselves, let alone these other people? Mm-hmm. So I guess just to go back, what are the ramifications? I mean, I would say the biggest thing is insecurity. Really? Yeah, because I didn't have a huge social media platform before. And overnight, it happens overnight. Mm. So all of a sudden, all these people have these opinions about you and are judging you, good and bad. They're questioning decisions that you're making. And you start questioning, you Mm -hmm. start, this self-doubt creeps in. Mm -hmm. You start thinking about things physically and mentally that you never did about yourself. Mm -hmm. You start thinking about your physical appearance. You start Mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, your career. You start thinking about mentally about certain things. So Mm -hmm. I would say self-doubt, insecurity, Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. You start questioning yourself in a way like, do I belong? Should I be here? Yeah. I'm like, but the list goes on and on. <laughs> I think there's, and I don't yeah. know how to define this with a word, but there's yeah. a pressure to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. To perform. Yeah. Because when you're not in this world, mm-hmm. and I experience this a lot with family members, they think because they see you on TV that you're rich. Mm. And so they think, you feel like I have to have this house and I have to keep up. And because this is what people think of me. I have to wear these clothes. I have to drive this car. And there's a lot of, and so maybe the word is pressure. But there's there's a lot of pressure that comes with it as well that you didn't have before. I mean, before I was on TV, my I had no skincare routine. Mm-hmm. I never did a mask. <laughs> I never wore lashes. I never I had, had a $30 Air One coffee. Yeah. What is Air One? <laughs> what is an Air One? Everything was so much more simple. I came in 
to that show with mascara, lip gloss, and pressed powder. There's a community with the women that, you know, they don't really show because they don't show that. It's more of a drama where I learned how to do my makeup and I learned how to have a self-care routine. And I learned about all these different things that I didn't before. And I started to care about things that I necessarily didn't. That's Mm. a positive, but that can also be a negative. Life was so much more simple before. And I think that the pressure to feel like I have to Mm -hmm. is a ramification of it as well. Mm. I hear the tension of like, Desiring to expand, to grow the brand, so mm-hmm. to speak, to reach more people. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of that tension, which is, I imagine I miss the simplicity or the Oh ease. my gosh. Yeah. I'm yeah. in a state now more than ever where I feel like I miss the mm. simplicity. Now, not enough to like go back to that relationship that was going nowhere. Oh, hell no, I mean, I'm married, but you know what I mean. <laughs> or go yeah. back to, I don't necessarily want to go back to practicing law and there's nothing simple about practicing law, but no. just of nobody knowing who you are. Yeah. I think that there's a little bit of a desire for that. Yeah. Not feeling like I always have to say, well, what are you doing next? That question mm. comes all the time yes. when you have a platform. What's next? And sometimes I'm like, nothing. I'm trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. Or you feel like you have to lie. Like, well, you know, I'm working on some things. <laughs> I ain't working on shit. I actually am, by the way. <laughs> but, but we there can't have talk been about times it. where I yeah. wasn't. I, I, up until I was going to Europe, I was like, well, I'm going to Europe for two weeks. <laughs> That's what I'm working on. I'm working on my outfits. And <laughs> there are beautiful things that have come out of this. But yeah, yeah there's a downside to it as well. This show is also brought to you by the absolutely stunning and powerful tools for transformation that are created by Omala. Even the name Omala transports you to a place of flow and vitality. These are some of my favorite products ever, like an amazing color-changing yoga mat that responds to your temperature and presence and reflects back your posture in real time. They have this incredible smelling skin balm candle that heats up to activate all the essential oils and vitamins that your skin has been craving for. I mean, look, if I could live in a giant bath of this candle, I would 100% do it. They also have these journals that lead you into a profound insight, and then you can plant those journals to create a stunning flower garden. I mean, damn. If that's not both deep and inventive, I don't know what is. If you're someone who desires to live in a luxurious flow of life and who believes in transformative wellness, then you have to check out Omala. Omala is giving my listeners an exclusive discount to treat yourself to something that is as special as you, boo. All you have to do is go to omala.com, that's O-M-A-L-A.com. Use the discount code DRSCOTT10 at checkout. And a portion of every purchase goes to an incredible charity. You got this. How have you supported yourself or made sure that you don't tumble down that downside? I mean... I would be lying if I didn't say there is an always an inner struggle of, especially if my mind wanders and I have more time on my hands, so and I don't mind. Devil's playground. Time is dangerous. That devil is is (laughs) is two stepping all through my life. I think that there's always that push and pull. Yeah, but I also kind of like that because. Mm 
I'm never comfortable. I always have this insatiable appetite mm-hmm. to do more. Mm-hmm. I'm a big therapy person. I love therapy. Mm-hmm. That saves me in a lot of ways. I have a surprise for you. We brought your therapist here. Oh my God. I almost <gasps> said his name. He can't say your name, I'm but like, you can I say I just saw his. you yesterday. You did not tell me you were coming. He's amazing. And like, Could if, you if you're in LA and you need one, I have referred him to so many people. He's yeah. referred to me. And yeah. I, it's like a gift. Yeah. Even yeah, yeah. in Dallas, I always would refer her to other people. Yeah. But therapy is one thing. I have two dogs. And so getting up and walking in the morning with mm-hmm. my dogs is extremely therapeutic to me. I put mm-hmm. my AirPods in. I'm listening to absolutely nothing. <laughs> but I just... I it's do the, the same thing. Yes. It's the appearance. As if people... <laughs> nobody is stopping to talk to me. I just want to be clear. Nobody's like, hey, is that Rachel? But it's just a don't mess with me yeah. type of yeah. thing. You know, it's just like going on an airplane and wearing sunglasses and putting a hood on. It's not because people recognize me. It's just like... I do not want the person next to me to think that I'm Available. wanting to start a conversation. <laughs> I listen to a lot of ASMR in the last two years. What? It is on the way up here. Yeah. Before I was on the phone, I was listening to ASMR. It is a soothing thing to me that has, I like to listen to it before bed. Brian hates it. So he's like, turn it off. <laughs> I listened to it when I'm driving, when I was very stressed out over this last year of work. Yeah. I would leave work and put in ASMR. I I love it. Can you give us a little soundbite of your favorite ASMR? So I like, there's certain triggers, ASMR word. And my triggers are, I like tapping, but I like muted tapping. So it's not like a click, like you hear the nails. Uh-huh. It's muted. So like a book, like what you would hear the tapping on a book. I uh-huh. like sticky tap. So like think of styrofoam, that sound that does tapping in the styrofoam. I'm getting very uh-huh. s- specific. I love finger fluttering. Okay. So you guys who are listening right now will like to hear a little bit of that. <laughs> and I like whispering. I like whispering. And when people emphasize certain, so like, like, <laughs> I could do, I could do ASMR for you. You, I think we found what's next oh for you. Should I? Should I start a channel? <laughs> I think what? Brian and I would get along because I hate it too. People think it's sexual. Do you find that people are only like, when you do it? That like, it's a little sexual, Rachel. And I'm like, well, you know, I <laughs> no. That's is not. there channels for sexual ASMR? I have not discovered them yet. This is your niche. Are. I this is your niche. No, it is. Can you imagine what's next? Well, I've actually started this sexual ASMR channel. <laughs> no, but anybody who's listening, feel free to take that idea and run with it. No, I that is my thing that I love so I love much. That for you. I don't meditate as much as I would like to, but mm-hmm. when I do, that's great for me. And then just like working out, whether it's yoga, whether it's, mm-hmm. I went to a rumble class the other day that I a found what? extremely, rumble boxing, Okay. Um, that I found extremely therapeutic. Yeah. So I think I might pick up more than that. Exercising is just a great release for me, but those yep. are really the things for me, mm-hmm. the key things that I do mm-hmm. to just not go down that path. When mm-hmm. I find myself, you know, just spiraling, mm-hmm. those are the things that I implement in my life to bring me back. Mm. I love all of those. And I think they're so helpful for everyone as practices because there is something about that whole Shakespeare dude who said like all the world's a stage. Mm-hmm. And now it truly <laughs> Shakespeare. is. Or and Madonna. Like, I think about, I was sitting next to this guy. I went to see Adele the other night. How um, was that? It was great. 
And he was sitting next to me and he was taking photos and immediately putting them on Facebook and then going to check how many During likes he During the concert? Got. Yeah, girl. Yeah. <laughs> and I leaned over at one point. Should I was like, isn't she great? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was my, that was my passive aggressive way of being like, let's be present together. I didn't know the guy. Yeah. So I wasn't, I, it was also none of my business. But still. But I actually saw something in the fact that he kept checking who was liking it. And he was like, oh, I want all my friends to see this. And he was really invested in that. And I was like, oh, on some level, we're all influencers. These micro, micro influencers, Maybe. but like we had this perception that we're being seen. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. more yeah. than others, yeah. like you. Mm -hmm. or But at the some level of like, we all think some the people are out there watching us and observing our behaviors and our concerts and the things we're doing. And so... I think we can all take an opportunity to step back, whether we have a million followers or 10. Yeah. I have 10 TikTok followers. <laughs> I'm really proud of it. My nephew called me and he was like, you have 10 Double TikTok digits. followers. And I was like, that's great. I've never been on it. <laughs> to whatever degree of being able to step back and find yourself again, yeah. find your peace, find your joy, find the moments where you just put earplugs in and listen to nothing. Nothing. And attuned to yourself. I'll find myself yeah. riding in the car listening to nothing. Sometimes I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not listening to music or yeah. a podcast or anything. I'm just in my own thoughts. Yeah. And maybe that's a little bit of form of meditation for me. Just like I yeah. can just be present with myself. Yeah. Therapy helped me do that. My defense mechanism or survival tactic, or so I think it's survival, is to distract myself with different things. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, through therapy, I realized that that is not doing a benefit to myself at all. I just got to go back to the Adele of it. <laughs> the fact that you can't be present in an Adele concert is terrifying to me. Mm. Also, that would say that's a form of not Adele herself, even though I love her music, but yeah. music yeah. is a huge release for me as well. Mm. I will play music or songs or put on a playlist depending on like what my mood is, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Or like if I don't want to cry, you know, like I'll listen to something ratchet. Mm -hmm. Or like if I'm feeling myself, I'll mm -hmm. play like, damn, it feels good to be a gangster or something like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if I want to cry, I listen to Adele. Yeah. And then, I, you know how I know if I'm over something, mm -hmm. if I can listen to an Adele song yeah. and not cry. Oh. That's my personal test. Or gospel music and not cry. I'm mm -hmm. like, you're over it. Mm -hmm. You're a good girl. What a beautiful mirror indicator <laughs> of how your mental health is that day. <laughs> I When I was going through a big breakup in my 20s, I used to play Adele and I noticed... I had to stop because it was also amplifying and like turning the decibel up on how oh, I was sure. feeling. And I was like, wait, I was at like a six before of sadness and yeah. now I'm at a motherfucking nine yeah. Yeah. because Adele is riding in the flow of my Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? This new Adele album is sad. There's one song on there. Mm. I'm going to call it I Tried. I don't know if that's really the song. Okay. But the whole song is sad. Yeah. What I love about old school Adele, old school Adele, is that the songs take you through a journey. Mm -hmm. So you start off sad, yeah, but then at the end of the song, you're like angry. You're like, you know what? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Tough for you because I'm a badass woman, and I like that's yeah. like kind of where she yeah. brings the journey she brings yeah. to the song, and that's why I love listening to Adele because yeah. you're sad and then you're like. Like I'm thinking of the song "Take It All," and mm. she's like, "You're sad," and then at this, she's like, "You know what? Just go on and take it." <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I love her. I have not seen her in concert. I love how she just came on. She was like, I'm just so nervous. 
Did she? Yeah. Oh, Adele, man. Gosh, it inspired me. I was on a, a podcast earlier today and I was nervous as shit. I'm not usually nervous. Was this Deepak? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't Deepak, although that's funny. Deepak adjacent. Okay. And I I was like sweating more than usual and I couldn't catch my words and my thoughts were oh. fluttering. And I just was like, I'm really nervous. I would have never thought it was okay, quote unquote, okay to be so transparent yeah. in front of so many people. And it was such people a relief. Love that. It's good to be nervous. Mm. And I, you know, I will say that transparency is so necessary. I think yeah. we're living in a time where that's what people want, a little bit of the sloppiness. Yeah. That's a trick that I use as a media personality. Kit from Access Hollywood told me that one time. She's like, listen, if you mess up, people love that. Just fall into it. Mm. Just be a little self-deprecating. Yeah. And I found that that adds a little bit of charm to things <laughs> rather than trying to be so perfect. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to, Self-deprecate more. Yeah. Vagina sting. <laughs> Vagina sting. That's our safe word for knowing to self-deprecate. So I think it's a time where we get to play some games. Is that wine? <laughs> it's vodka and you better not judge me. I literally thought you pulled out a bottle of wine and I was like, bestie, yes. Bestie, I'm do you want drink, some? No, I'm, I'm not even, if it was, I would, I can't, I'm not drinking right now. I'm detoxing from Europe. Oh shit. From the jellyfish sting? Mm -hmm. Oh no, that was my... <laughs> We're going to play some games. Okay. Are you excited? I love games. I, I'm so excited. On my dating profiles when I was single, mm -hmm. I just put board games. That's all I wrote. Oh, nice. What's your favorite? I'm really into Settlers of Catan right now. And oh, oh shit, I forgot the you other really one. You really are into board games. Oh, I'm I've super never heard into board one. games. Settlers of Catan. Settlers of Catan. We're going to play Catan. it. Okay. okay tonight. Great. I'm in the old With school. Brian. Yes, yes. I'm in the old school. I'm in the- What are you in? My mother-in-law taught me Rumi Cube. Yes. And I'm obsessed with that now. Okay. We could do that. <laughs> Rumi Cube's fun. Ah, there's some great ones out there. Okay. I'm just going to bring like okay. 10 games over. Great. Also, Giant Jenga, but not the small one. I okay. refuse to play- Oh, you like the big block one. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. Like, I want the tumbling yeah. to fall yeah, yeah, on yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> like, I, I like, like the that. danger yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little one, it doesn't come- Once you've played the big one, you can't you go can't back. You can't go back. Or the giant Connect Four. Have you done yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. My sister and I played it at, you know, one of those stores, it was in the Mall of America, mm -hmm. and she opened the slot and they all fell out. And they rolled all over the store and she ran out. <laughs> what? She, the only thing this was like this do. year. She's in her 40s. <laughs> the, she was just like, zoom. And I was left there trying to like collect all these giant the <laughs> connect four she was She probably wasn't the first. No, no. Yes. She inspired me though to you know you can just run away sometimes. Yeah, you can. Absolutely. <laughs> so we're going to play a game. Okay. Truth be told, I have never seen The Bachelor. I have never seen The Bachelorette. My favorite type of person. And so we're going to play a game about that. Okay. So now on your cue card. Can I look at it? Yeah. Okay. It's all for you. Okay. Are some terms from, what did you call it? Bachelorette? <laughs> Bachelor? Bachelorette? Oh, Bachelor Nation. Bachelor Nation. <laughs> so these are like, I supposedly, I don't know, my producer found these okay. words. I don't know what's on your card. Okay. So you're going to name them or other Bachelor land <laughs> I love words <laughs> and I'm going to define them and then you're going Amazing. to correct me. We're going to go with that. Okay. Okay. Here we go. All right. Safety rose. <laughs> so Take this is like a safety word, but a sa it's a rose that you give someone when things are getting rough and tumbled to pause the situation. Okay. You were on the path and then the pause took us off. Okay. <laughs> 
it's more of like <laughs> yeah what's a safety rose a safety rose is more of a term which is not a prevalent term so okay. in your defense okay but, thank or you like for a my term defense that's like, like really out there <laughs> but it's more of like if you're on a date yeah and you wait till the rose ceremony to give roses but sometimes you give out a rose to uh-huh. make someone feel secure or so before sweet. the rose ceremony yeah 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 and like you basically save them oh so yeah that's like safety rose it's not a safety so you don't have to worry like- when you get to the Rose ceremony, because you know you're safe. Did you ever get a safety rose? I'm sure I did. I was collecting those roses nonstop. (laughs) You were a rose connoisseur. I was a rose connoisseur. (laughs) I was. I get one time I got a a rose on a date, like a group date rose. Wait, a group date? It was like you're on a group date, and I got the rose at the end of it. And no, it's not. It's not. Oh, it's not like a polyamorous bachelor. Like I said, I've never seen it. It's so competitive. No, (laughs) it's it's a family show. It's on ABC. Not that there's anything wrong with polyamory. It's just, you know, it's, it's not accepted by everybody. So. It's not accepted. I thought that was even one of our words as a group date. No, no, it's not. But group date is... <laughs> group date. Group I, now I know what your answer would have been. Okay, so we'll use that one. The bubble. <laughs> the bubble. So the bubble is this thing you get into mm-hmm. with another person. So no cameras or no microphones can pick you up. Okay. And you can just say your truth. Okay. No. <laughs> the bubble is the bachelor bubble. What? So that's what we call it because you're completely taken away from reality. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're living in this world yeah. where nothing is real to you from yeah. before because yeah. you don't have connection to that. There's one guy or one girl, uh-huh. and it's like they're the only woman or man in your life. You know, yeah. if, if it's the bachelor, it's the only man in your life. Okay. The producers are like gods, your parents. Yeah, the host is like the god. Is what it feels like. And then the the people you live with are your only friends in this world. And it's like the bubble. You only live and exist in this world. And it's weird because even when you step out of the bachelor mansion, because you have to travel to another city or country. Yeah. You have to have a story because it's, imagine, it's all these pretty women mm-hmm. traveling together mm-hmm. and people will stop it. They're like, what's going on? Who are you girls? Like some pervert. And you're not allowed to say your own And you're not allowed show. to say. And we can't go into like the stores where the magazines are because sometimes this there's reminds stuff me of written jury about duty. us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great show, right? That's a show? Oh, I thought you meant the show. No, there's no a love. show. That there's is so th- good. You should watch it. <laughs> there's this thing you have to do every six years oh called Jury Duty. Oh my gosh, I've never done it. I mean, as I've a never lawyer, done it either. I, re- I always get out of it. I always do well, too. and I have a Florida license, so they send me Florida Jury Duty. It's happened a couple of times. I'm like, oh, I don't live there. Oh, nice. <laughs> But no, that's the bubble. So even when you're traveling, like you can't look at magazines because they might be talking about the show or the league. So you you usually say, oh, we're a swim team or (laughs) we're on a conference, like stuff, stuff like that. So you're really living in this bubble. That's Did anyone bubble. then take it further? Like, what stroke do you do? No, no. No one ever questioned no, it. No, no, no. We're a tennis team, a swim team, bachelorette party, something like a it hen could be party. the most random. Yeah. yeah, a hen party. Wow. Fantasy suite. <laughs> This is the room in the hotel that you go to that has like a bed made out of the shape of a heart with lots of roses. There's like some lubricants on the side, some like Barry Manilow plane. Not Barry Manilow. <laughs> J-Lo plane. <laughs> I don't know me. Waiting music. for tonight. That's the fantasy suite. Okay, close. You get a point really? for this one. I get a point. You get a point because the fantasy suite is when you get to your final three and the lead takes the final three into the fantasy suite. They don't have to. All they, three at they the same time? They have a card, a card that looks like this. It's a yeah. date card. 
and the person reads it yeah. and it's like, should you choose to forego your hotel room tonight? Here's the key. It literally reads like that. Here's the key to my room. And it's always like this key that looks like it's the passageway, you know, that gets you into the fantasy land for the lion, the witch and the wardrobe oh, or something I love like that. that. It's like this old school key. It unlocks nothing. But you take the key and you're like, yes, I'll go with you. And so this, to your point about the bubble, is uh -huh. where you go into the hotel room. Uh-huh. The bed may or may not be shaped into a heart. Oh. There may or may not be roses, but mm. there's definitely protection and lubricants there. There's like a basket full of them. Wow. And there are no cameras. There's no microphone. It's the first time that you get to spin with the lead yeah. without anybody there. Can it's you play board games? There are no board games. No, there are that, no they board should actually games. do they that, but you can do whatever games. you want. So it lends okay. itself, you know, to that it's sexual. And for the most most of the times it is, but it's yeah. also the opportunity for you to have conversations that you can't have on mic. Like, what's your favorite color? Or, okay. you know, like what I was like, what's your credit score? <laughs> Who would you vote for in the next com coming election? You can ask anything that you want to that's not sexy for TV. And you stay up all night and you, you know, you talk, you sex, you do all the things and you bathe. I had a bath with one of my people. I love a bath. I love a good bath. I had a bath wow. with one of my guys. Wait, how did you feel about people knowing that something was potentially sexually happening. You get over it. You do. I, my parents were like, my parents are very parents. religious and pragmatic. They were like, so when you're the lead, it's my dad's only question. Yeah. Are you going to go behind the closed door? <gasps> he didn't remember it was the fantasy suite. He was like, the yeah. closed door. Because they show you like closing, like the person sitting on the bed and you closing the door. They might show you kissing and the door closes. They always do that. In reality, what happens, you close the door and they're like, okay, cut. And they start taking down all the lights and the cameras. <laughs> and then they're like, the two of you can go. And, and it's, it's yeah. an amazing, it's a time that's necessary yeah, because yeah, other than that, course. you don't get any alone time. I love the fantasy suites for multiple reasons. Okay. <laughs> so in addition to asking the credit score, which I love that that yeah, was- Yeah, I had a, I had a legal pad. I had, I had all these things. Had a legal I had pad. all these things. Can you we, give me some of the other important questions? Um, that you I definitely ask. was like political affiliation. Yes. Okay. How do you want to raise kids? No, I didn't get into kids. Do okay. you want kids? I think it was kids? this. At that point, they had met my family. So really? I wanted to- address concerns that my family had about uh, each person. Would they move for the other person? Okay. You know, would you do long distance? Yeah. How much money do you make? What are your career plans? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you have, I just need, I need to know. Yeah. And none of that was transparent prior to the fantasy no, suite. because they're telling, when you're the lead, yeah. you're mostly learning about them. They kind of okay. come in knowing what they want to talk about. Oh, I was uh, in this relationship before. Okay. So that was kind of a thing that I had with each guy. Oh, you've never said I love you before, or this was in your last relationship. Why did it end? I needed more details to understand how they function in relationships. Interesting. I can't even remember other stuff, but I was like, took it as a full opportunity. And I was like... Then when it was over, I was like, no, let's, <laughs> let's go. go. <laughs> <laughs> Not with everybody. I didn't do it with everybody. I mean, but that's also an important part or a part of getting to know someone sure. is what is the sexual chemistry? And it's at minimum been nine weeks since you've had it's a long time. anything. And, yeah. and like that's assuming that you had it the day before you went on the show. Yeah. It could have been longer than that. Yeah. So yeah, like sexual chemistry is a real thing yeah. as well. Yeah. So. Okay. I see that smile thinking back to the past. <laughs> I'm only thinking of my husband. Uh-huh. What's up, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> Two on one. <laughs> I just want to have a moment to my producer for making sure that I, she picked the words that I would That's very right. clearly bring me to. That's right. Okay. Two on one. I, you know, I'm going to go in a very different direction than Let's what's expected. It. Two on one is a teaching opportunity where two mentors 
mentor one individual about how to glam their makeup? Wow, that's a very creative guess. <laughs> and you know you're wrong. I know. But it's I'm not sexual. Sorry. It's not. So there are various types of dates that you can have on the show. You okay. can have a one-on-one. -on -one. Okay where it's just you and the lead, which mm -hmm. are coveted. You want a one-on-one, -on -one, that yeah. alone time. Yeah. You can have group dates where it could be you and 13 other people all on this date. There's always a competition attached to the date. So it's like that's hard to have that time and to impress that person. Yeah. So you don't want to be on a bunch of those. No. Or you can have what's called a two-on-one. Yeah. Which is where you don't want one of those. Because <laughs> the two-on-ones are usually two people, yeah. two contestants that hate each other. Oh, and so the lead takes them on a two-on-one to determine usually which one he's going to keep. So it's a totally producer-influenced date. Yeah. As a lead at that point, you probably don't want either one of them. You're yeah. sick of the drama. Yeah. But you take them on this two-on-one and they get a chance to kind of like talk about to you as the lead what the drama is and say and they usually like shit on the other person. They're yeah. like, let me tell you about Caitlin. That's Caitlin not is sexy. This, this and this. No, it's not sexy at all. No. And then you have to listen to it. And then you're like, well, hey, Crystal, Caitlin told me that you said this and this and this. And yeah. it's like they're clawing oh. at each other to basically be the one to stay, not realizing the lead hates both of you. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't want to be on the two-on-one. They're the worst. Let that be a lesson to each of you listening. Yeah. Don't go on the two-on-one. No. And don't, don't All it's doing is getting you Krista. on the beaches of paradise. Or yeah. whomever yeah. the other person you're on a date. You're the villain at this point. And, you're the villain. And, and for some people, they know that they're never going to make it so far. So it's like, I'm going to get on two-on-one. I'm going to be a villain. People are going to be talking about me. I'm going to yeah. gather my followers, and I'm going to get on those beaches of paradise and wreak <laughs> havoc. Hometowns. That is where you are from. Okay, yeah, it is. You take the lead to where you're from. Oh, okay. And it's the first time. So usually all the dates are led by the lead. The lead's like, hey, I'm taking you on, you know, to Disneyland and we're going to do this, this, and this because I heard that you, whatever. Yeah. So the lead plans the dates. And then your parents are there? And your parents are there. So uh, the hometowns, it's the final four, yeah. and the contestant is leading the show because they're introducing the lead to their hometown. And so- it always ends with, you do a day activity and it ends with you meeting the family. And Oof. you always have that one family member who's super tough, who for me and my dad refused to film. He was like, I'm not going to, so my dad did wow. not film. He talked off camera, but would not film on camera. My sister was the tough person. Yeah. They're getting a little insight as to yeah. who you are. And then you have like, my mom was asking questions. You know, she's yeah. like, have you ever been with a black woman before? Oh. necessary question oh that was it like for my hometown yeah i was like it'd be really fun for my hometown to be on a sunday yeah because i can take him to church i'm yeah. from texas i go to a big mega church yes it's majority black so you know it's very spirited uh -huh. so i think this would be a fun opportunity and you've never done that before and they did so we went to church wow. then we did brunch because yeah. that's what you do you know then you do football yeah. but we couldn't watch football and then i took him home and he had a good southern meal is this your current husband? No, this went? was when I was the contestant. Oh, when you were the, sorry, when so you were the him, contestant. So for him, I went to Miami. Oh. And so he took me to like Calle Ocho. He's yeah, Colombian. Yeah. So he took me and we went dancing nice. and he gave me an arepa. Uh -huh. That's what it's called. Oh, forgive me. They're going to judge me for that. <laughs> Which is like a Colombian dish. Yeah. And then I went and met his family at his parents' house. And yeah. And Amazing. so it was, it was fun. It was fun. Okay, last one. Last one. And then we got... A different game after Okay, that. last one. Yeah. The hot seat. 
this is not like a hot dish, which is where I come from, which from the Midwest. Yeah. And hot dish yeah. is like a casserole, mm-hmm. a casserole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a hot mm-hmm. seat is, oh gosh, when you're in the car and you push a button and it warms it up for you. Sometimes it gets too warm and then it's a hot seat. Okay, that is a hot seat, but not a hot seat in bachelor terms. The hot seat is when you get to, we have reunions and they're called tell-alls. Oh. So if the lead is a woman, yeah. it's the men tell-all because all okay. the men, it's the first time you see all the men since you kicked them off yeah. and the show's been airing. So they've yeah. been watching everything back. Yeah. And for when it's a lead, for the guy, when the guy's lead, it's the women tell-all. Okay. And it gets messy and catty and everyone's seeing like, you said this and you said this. Well, there's certain people who have big moments on the show, yeah, good and bad, and yeah. they sit in the hot seat with the host, yeah, and they get grilled about their behavior, decisions that are made. So that's the hot seat. Oof. All right, hot one seat. out of six. Woohoo! Okay, we're gonna play this last game. It's on in an envelope. Okay, we got ten minutes okay. that we are gonna rock this game with. All right. This is called "I'm on Morally Corrupt with You." Ooh, okay. And we are so we are Danger co-hosting. Zone a show together, and we are recapping a show on Bravo TV that we we, neither of us actually have seen that show. And the title of that show that neither of us have seen that we're about to recap, (laughs) I haven't seen these. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm like, what is it? I have to choose between two Bravo show titles that aren't real shows that we are going to improvise a recap of. This show is called Dog Park Divas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dog Park Divas. And okay. so we we are recapping together okay. the first episode, which aired just yesterday, of Dog Park Divas. We've been waiting for this episode. Oh, God. As soon as I saw the trailer for Dog Park Divas, mm. I knew that we had a hit on our hands. We had a hit. When Fifi started barking... Now, was was Fifi the owner or the dog? The owner. Okay. And when Fifi started barking, and then Matilda, which is the actual dog, came out of nowhere dressed like a Halloween goddess, just a big giant pumpkin, we knew, we knew we had a hit on our hands. Yeah. Fifi thinks that, because obviously... This Fifi is the one who gathered all the other divas oh, yeah. in the park. Oh, yeah. So Fifi thinks that she's the queen bee. The <laughs> problem is Matilda's not, okay? Yeah. That Matilda's a dud. Ma- <laughs> I don't know if Matilda has had any type of training. <laughs> nope. I don't know if she's ever been around other dogs, Mm-mm. but Fifi might be a diva, but Matilda is not. I know. She might need to look into. And this is what happens when yeah. you don't adopt. when you get straight from the breeder that moment when matilda pooped herself in the pumpkin outfit that she was wearing i thought to myself we do not have a diva on our hands no she went from the pumpkin emoji to the poo poo emoji that is just and it was smear smear (laughs) smear smear i mean the other divas in the pen with fifi yeah i know we got rachel's (laughs) plural We got the The Rachels, (laughs) always the Rachels, plural. We got Matthew and Bruce with that couple that Mm -hmm. are like the absolute dog divas. Mm -hmm. And then Refi, which is just, I mean, Refi is just the sweetest. Just, yeah, totally agree. Absolute sweetest. And I can't believe that everyone else was ganging up on Refi just because he has a tiny little chihuahua. (laughs) 
I was like, this is not valid reason to gang up on another diva. So you guys have to forgive us because this is the first episode. So yeah. there are a lot of new names and new mm -hmm. dogs that I really don't remember. Nope. But what I not was like, Ruffy's the person or the dog? Oh, Rafi is both the person and the dog. Oh, yeah, which says, which says it all. Which Does says it, not, it all. Right? The like, fact that he named his dog after himself. I know. The other dogs you named Bruce and Maddie. I'm just going to start saying names because I'm not going to No, those are the divas. Names. Those are the divas. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Bruce yeah, yeah. and Maddie's dogs. Yeah. The fact that you know dog mm -hmm. park rules, mm -hmm. the dog has to be fixed. Yes. Right? Yes. And the fact that Bruce and Maddie have brought their dog that's mm. not fixed. Mm -mm. And as chasing after all the dogs, mm -mm. particularly Matilda, which mm -hmm. is why Fifi's all- She's all up in arms. All up in arms, completely mm -mm. outraged. I wonder if by the end of this that we might see- A preggy. A preggy. Can, the scandal. The, the scandal. scandal. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a by episode? We yes, have a spin-off. Spin just from episode one. I am so excited. You know, I don't see a second season for this show, but I do see <laughs> a spin-off spin spin of the baby. Yeah. You know. And I will say this is very clear. Yeah. You mentioned this, this is a Bravo show, Bravo right? Show. You haven't seen before. Fifi is clearly using this or trying to use this as a springboard to get on Real Housewives mm. of Beverly Hills. It's so obvious. So obvious. The fact that she called Kyle Richards just to let everybody know that she knows who Kyle Richards is, it's like yeah. Kyle Richards would never. Never. You're never getting any of those Richards sisters to step <laughs> foot in that dog park. They're no not bringing their way. dogs to hang out with these peasants. Mm -mm. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and I mean, granted, she put a little diamond tiara on Matilda, but that's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough to raise because the vibe. Sadly, Matilda's shit does stink. Matilda's shit does stink. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for being so amazing. <laughs> thank you for being on the Gently Used Human podcast and being the exquisite human that you are. Oh, thank you for having me. So much fun. <laughs> Where can people find more of you and more about you? Yes. Where can they read your books? Where can they get your legal advice? <laughs> <laughs> My license is active, but I'm not I'm currently not giving any advice. And if I haven't scared you away by being my complete self in this podcast, you can get more of me every Tuesday and Friday, new episodes drop from my podcast, Higher Learning, where we cover everything from politics, current affairs, sports, entertainment, everything in between. We have fantastic interviews. It's a brother-sister-like podcast where we argue like family members, but you know, at the end of the day, we have each other's back. Mm. Also, I do a podcast, Morally Corrupt, and those episodes come out every Friday where we cover all things Bravo, and maybe we'll be covering a Dog Park Divas episode near you. I think I got the name wrong. You got the Diva name Dog right. Park. It's the alliteration of it. Uh, and then my books, you can get those wherever you get books, you know, Amazon, whatever it may be. My memoir is Miss Me With That. And then my novel, Real Love, first novel ever. Hopefully that is turning into something else that you can watch, but you can get that book as well. So I think someone dropped a hint. <laughs> and where can they find you on social media? Oh, you can find me on social media. <laughs> If you dare, after, you everything, dare, after, after everything, everything that we said, it's consistent on all platforms, but it's at T-H-E Rach Lindsay. Yes, I follow you. I think everyone else should too. Please do. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, my love. Thank you for listening to the Gently Used Human podcast with Dr. Scott Lyons and friends. Visit GentlyUse.com for fun extras, including submitting your questions for advice from a Midwestern mom. And don't forget to spill the tea and gossip about the show with all your friends and frenemies. 
and show some love by giving us five stars and leaving a review in your favorite apps. This helps us connect with all the other gently used humans out there. Oh, and by the way, you look fierce today.